I, did that ever change about you? Like once you went from middle school to high school? No. So um, in high school, like my eighth grade is when everything started, um, I guess, changing or becoming difficult for me or something. Um, because because right there is whenever my history teacher, I was struggling, I guess, in the class and uh, he... He brought my parents in and he said that uh, Mr. Garza said that if I if I didn't change that I wasn't gonna do anything in life mm-hmm. that I wasn't gonna amount to anything and and I remember I was sitting in the library which was the same place that I was that I would gather with the student council to do everything with the teachers there the rest of my life man this guy's been been someone man that I have um it's interesting right because he's been the one that's motivated me to do everything that i accomplished but it was always out of spite on my part Mm -hmm. i always wanted to prove to him and he doesn't even know this you know freaking eighth grade bro here i am like you know my kids have already gone through high school and they're in college now and here i am still trying to prove this eighth grade teacher teacher (laughs) wrong (laughs) how did your parents react when when they had that conversation well um the world is shaking the world is spinning all right here we go What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of Brothers from Another Mother, where we talk about the trials and tribulations in everyday entrepreneurship. For those who don't know me, my name is Alex Maldonado. And I'm Renee Atkinson. And today, um, just like every other day, is going to be special because I want to do you the favor of what you did for me this last uh, last episode that we shot just you and i and um you asked me some questions and you took me back to um you know times in my life that were impactful and i think we did that in the first episode yeah but we were still going through the trials and tribulations of podcasting so the audio wasn't all there yeah and um and i wanted to you know i wanted to jump on here and uh before you go on this on this uh, event you know um just have a conversation man yeah. and and di- take a deeper dive into who you know renee atkinson really is um so if you allow me to uh let's take a deep dive man all right let's let's see how this is gonna go <laughs> are you are you nervous or are yeah. you excited <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> all right um so I always like to go back to when you were or when I was about 13. Mm-hmm. But um if people were to let's say let's say your friends from, you know, back in middle school um were to see you today, what would be their impression? Who were you back then um being around them and what what would be their impression if they were to see you today? In middle school, they would probably say that um, that this is exactly who they thought that I would be. Um, Because in middle school, I was 
I was I was the rat. I was the I was the safety patrol. You know, walking around the halls in my little vest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. And then um, I was part of the the student council. So there I was talking to the teachers and enjoying um, uh, donuts with the teachers as they um, asked me questions about what they thought they could uh, improve or how they could relate better to the students. And um, so I, I think that they would probably say, yeah, for sure. This I, is exactly yeah, where you They could see that. Yeah. Um, so that was in middle school, right? Yeah, you were the. I, I remember those two. I remember them since uh, since fucking elementary, man. Yeah, the hall monitors or whatever <laughs> they would call them. They didn't have a vest. They had like this little, uh, just like a, uh, like a ¿cómo se llama? Um, like a sash. Yeah, or something like that. That okay. It was reflective. Yeah, and it would be. And when you saw him, you're like, oh man, they're gonna stay away. You know? No, we we had we had the uh, we had the full on vest. You know the the chartreuse chartreuse green or yellow whatever, uh, and orange vest. And as a matter of fact, it had like a little badge that said like safety patrol. Uh, <laughs> and did you do that? Uh, what sixth, seventh, and eighth grade or what? Um, I think it was. Maybe, yeah, I think it might have been 6th, 7th, and 8th, yeah. Do you think anything about your childhood um, before you got to middle school? Um, anything, you know, about your parents kind of drove you to be that way? Or what was it that um, kind of developed that passion of, of being, you know, a patrol, per se? It's strange because... I, you know, my dad was a firefighter, um, so there was really no no example of of someone in law enforcement. So not really sure where where that came from. Um, but I enjoyed it. You know, it was, it was neat. Um, at the time, it was it was in. I never thought of it as 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 a bad thing for the school, like as a bad thing for the rest of the kids. Mm -hmm. I just thought that, you know, Hey, that's, you know, that's trouble. You know, you're, you're doing something wrong. Like, you know, there's no need for you to step on the line that goes, like, I remember this vividly. There's, there's no need to like, um, be stepping on the line that goes to the water fountain and you just tore it, you know, no, you need to go to, <laughs> to the office. So that was the kind of stuff you were calling out. Yeah. Man. So, and then, yeah, that, that, I think that was like the only time that I remember that something actually happened. Okay. And, uh, and there I was like, you know, telling somebody that this person had done that. Now, most of the kids that you went to middle school with mm -hmm. are the same kids that you went to uh, high school with? The majority. Okay. Yeah, because so the, the town that I come from is like... I think it was something like 3,400 people. Like it's really, really, really small. small. Wow. And uh, so, so it was, yeah. Like you knew, you knew everyone from elementary and then elementary would go on to middle school and then middle school to high school. And then you remember like what, what that kid was, you know, in elementary and, you know, when, when they were 
when the girls were trying to do a penny drop off of the monkey bars, you know, that person was the one that knocked off their freaking feet or something, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then you're like, man, look, look what you're doing now. And so, yeah, we were really, really, really tight. So yeah, the guys did, you know, the guys that I hung out with in, in middle school and elementary, um, actually there's only a couple that I still interact with that I knew from elementary school. But yeah, we were a really tight group. Okay. And um, I, did that ever change about you? Like once you went from middle school to high school, that um, patrol mm -hmm. um, sense, did that ever change or were you always that way even through high school? No. So um, in high school, like my eighth grade is when everything started um I guess changing or becoming difficult for me or something um uh, because because right there is whenever my my um he was my I want to say it was history my my history teacher um I was struggling I guess in the class and uh, he he brought my parents in and he said that uh, Mr. Garza said that if I if I didn't change that that um that I wasn't going to do anything in life mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to amount to anything and and I remember um I was sitting in the library um which was the same place that I was that I would gather with the student council to do everything with the teachers there and and so you know the rest of my life man this guy's been plain been someone man that I have um it's interesting right because he's been the one that's motivated me to do everything that I that I that I've accomplished, but it was always out of spite on my part. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to prove to him, and he doesn't even know this, you know, freaking eighth grade, bro. Here I am, like, you know, my kids have already gone through high school and they're in college now, and here I am still trying to prove this eighth grade teacher. History teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> How did your parents react when, when they had that conversation? Well, um, my parents wouldn't say much when we were in, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, parent teacher conference or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or open house. Yeah. When they were in, when they were there, they really never said very much. Um, they would look at me and. I could tell from my dad's look immediately that I was in trouble. Um, <laughs> and so, so that was, that was really it. Um, but they, did a conversation ever happen? No, like even at home? No, no, no. But because I think it was more of like my mom just after that worrying. And, and so it just, and since they already had trouble with me waking up in the mornings, um, they, probably felt that it was exactly what was going to happen so you, know? you think at that point they kind of just like gave up on you or what? negative no definitely didn't didn't give up on me by no means but mm -hmm. they were it was more 
it was more of a thing now that my mom had to get me to school, had to wake me up. You know, it's like, oh, no, 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 porque, you know, he's going to do horrible. He's going to, he's not doing good. He's going to go down the wrong path and so forth. Um, and that was really easily, it would have been very easy to do mm -hmm. because everything was present, you know, even in, um, maybe not so much in middle school, but maybe already in middle school, um, where, you know, it was still, it was already a thing during the time that like marijuana was already around, papas were already around or rochas or whatever they want to call them, um, were already around. So the downers, um, cocaine wasn't around till till high school that's whenever you know you started hearing more about it but um in that area especially living down in south texas or any, anywhere along the border now i guess it doesn't even matter but it's all so common anywhere yeah um but i mean in 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 high school it it became more and more um just not accepted just known like it was it was around and fortunately though i because of because of mariachi or because of uh sports that they for some reason the guys that that i hung out with um they were never really big on drinking it was it was more about going to quinceañeras and uh, and playing sports going fishing so that's why right now like i'm big into that in in children there's a there's a chapter of uh fishing's future yeah that um i have uh here in el paso um that that provides fishing for um for children so the only way that i'm able able to put an event is if the the father and the child um are able to attend yeah if it's not just the child yeah it's not so they both got to be there either 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 um parent but the parent has to be there because that's what it's about it's about building that that bond so um yeah it's you know fishing was big uh hunting was was big for us so there really wasn't the whole getting drunk and, and all that stuff now you do talk about i've heard you talk in the past about um you know the time you got to spend with your dad mm -hmm. and what would really excite you is when he would pick you up from school yeah and you saw the truck pull up yeah and you could see that the fishing rods were in the back yeah or or you would go and peek yes. and if you saw him you know it was time to go fish and yep. that would really excite you so right now you talk about you know what you do with the father-son yeah. event do you think that plays a big role in why you know you Cause you could do anything else yeah um you could probably take them hiking you yeah. can probably take them hunting yeah but why fishing because for me it's you know in in hiking yes um you can spend time together the thing is the time most of the time that you spend in hiking is hiking and you're enjoying nature sure but usually it's one person in front one person in the back you're not really necessarily having a conversation. Um, you're either trying to catch your breath or you're looking around and, and enjoying the view. In uh, hunting, if we do the opposite, you don't talk at all because we're, we're trying to wait for something to show up. Um, so in fishing, though, man, you have, it's just the rod, you. If you put them in a reel holder, you're just sitting side by side. You know, you, there's so much time to talk 
Um, is that what you would do with your dad during yeah, that time? Yeah, man. Yeah. We would we would um, go down to the port, and uh, during drum season, which was during the winter times, and we, my dad would take like you know seven rods or ten rods or something like that, and it was always so. Um, so I don't know, just so nice to see that my dad would cast the rod and I could never cast as far as my dad could, you know? And so he was like a hero Mm -hmm. because of how strong he was. So, so it was, it was really neat. Um, so for me, those times were, were really special. Um, and there was just something about, I, I guess it was something nowadays for me it's just something therapeutic about being on the water Mm -hmm. and seeing the waves and seeing them crash or hitting the hearing the 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 waves crash along the beach um even if you go to like elephant butte that we have here in in new mexico you still hear those little waves crashing at night yeah so it's it's just always been really special is there anything he ever said to you at any given point uh, during those times when you went out fishing that you remember that has impacted your life now as an adult? No, or was it my, more just my, spending that time? Yeah, it was more about just spending the time, you know. Um, if if we had, if there was like nothing going on, um, then he would he would um grab like the 22 and there was always a hill nearby and we would put uh, a can soda can and then he would be like you know a ver si le puedes pegar you mm. know so so we we'd be there and we'd be uh, shooting at it and and it was always really nice so would you agree that you know something i talked about the last time is that um 20% of the communication, which is, you know, actual verbal communication, doesn't even matter. It's actually the 80% that's nonverbal, which, as I hear you talk about him casting the mm-hmm. line or, you know, pulling out the 22, this is all nonverbal communication that had a huge impact and in who you are and how you view your father now as you're grown, you know. So, um has that you know thinking about that has that played a role now in without you even realizing mm-hmm. how you are or how you show up as a father for your kids yeah it's played a huge role i can show you picture after picture of um just him shaping me to be the person that i am right now um I'll take my kids fishing and you know there I am the kids become kind of in, you know independent at a very young age yeah. especially boys and it almost seems like they want to do that from almost year 1 yeah and so I think the kids were maybe maybe 2 maybe 3 and We'd, we'd be there next to the lake in, in Ridoso and they didn't want me casting the rod anymore for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to cast it and it'd land in the grass or whatever. Um, Uriah was actually really good at casting and it, it, 
it actually it's funny because i'm still used to to the way we fish in south texas where you're wanting to land in the middle of wherever you're at you know if it's the ocean you gotta go as far as you possibly can if 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 we're you know in a in a lake it's right to the middle you know and uh and so he casts and it lands like 10 feet you know he's casting those little snoopy rods or whatever and little zepco push buttons and casts out and it goes like 10 feet but it was the perfect place to be you know um here's the lakes full of fishermen and here my kids are both catching trout after trout after trout and they were just cast casting like seven ten feet out and it was it was it was beautiful but i was able to just sit back on the bank and just watch them do it you know um so it was pretty pretty awesome so let's go back to um your sophomore year in high school um that's I'm assuming you spent uh, a lot of time at home with mom. Yeah. Uh, dad, you told me had three multiple jobs, right? Yeah, like three jobs. Yeah. So, you know, sophomore year of high school, you've already been over that hump where you're now, you know, you're not a freshman, but you're yeah. not a senior. You know, you're a sophomore in high school. And you're obviously, you know, spending a lot of time with mom at home. And she's she's now having to deal you know with a young man who's going through a transition in life where now we go from you know she saw you go from being a a newborn baby Mm -hmm. to now being a young boy and then now from young boy you know we're going to this young adult or or teenager um how were those times at home with mom they were they were good. I, I really didn't um, spend much time at home during that time, only because there was practice after school, and then um, we'd go to Whataburger, or go somewhere, or go to a tocada, or we'd do something. And uh, and we're talking we're talking about like my sophomore year, which was my in reality my third year, because my freshman year I ended up failing that year because. I wouldn't make it on time to school. So every every time I arrived, it was tardy. The yeah. tardies became absences, and I ended up you lost credit. I ended up having to to stay there in uh, in my freshman freshman year. So when I finally made it to my sophomore year, and all my friends were already juniors, mm-hmm. and um, so. So yeah, but the time that I did spend with my mom, um, my mom was amazing, man. My mom, everything that that you expect of the you know the more traditional, um, you know older older mother, where you know I mean, her her way of showing the love was through service, one hundred percent, where you know we we didn't have well the house still doesn't have insulation um 
Winters were cold. The floor is a wood floor. There's no insulation, no insulation in the walls. Um, like several times we were so close to getting, um, I guess ex exhaust poison poisoning because of the heaters that we had in the house. Uh, they were gas heaters, and um, and so I remember, man, I remember my eyes burning so bad because of how much gas was inside the house, and so the the. the house you know would be cold um the shower the restroom would be very cold and uh in south texas the houses sit about um let's say a foot and a half two feet off the ground and so the pipes would freeze so we would fill up um just five gallon buckets or something um so that we would have water. so we would have water and then my mom would would heat the water on the stove so that we could take showers with and she would take my clothes that was already ironed into this back room that had zero heating whatsoever and she would iron my clothes and then rush it to me so that I would put it on when it was still warm she would do that with my pants and my and my shirt um you know just breakfast uh, lunch i would do at school unless unless i uh, unless it was the weekend um uh, but breakfast lunch and dinner and um my friends and i would go till today um the, the guys still even ask me hey you know my mom's passed she passed um due to cancer uh, now going on two years ago and they'll still ask me hey bro some some freaking apple pie would be badass huh <laughs> my mom would make apple pie it always seemed like you know she she kept like six apples just, just to make the damn <laughs> apple pie because um we would be out fishing or or at a quinceanera or something and it would be midnight man and and we would we would get there or i'd call her uh from another friend's house or something and we went to, we didn't have cell phones and we're in route yeah and uh, hey mom you know are you able to make an apple pie and and you know let me check and sure enough by the time we got there it would be made uh, and we'd all we'd all get into that apple pie with with some ice cream and I mean, there was like, you know, six, seven of us that would show up. Um, so, Did you ever think, like even before picking up the phone and calling, um, did you ever think like, mom is probably doing this right now or doing that right now? She's probably even tired after, you know, you're saying she was big in the service and that's how she would, you know, she would show love and affection, um, which is huge, man. But um, she might at that point be extremely tired but she would still say yes you know yeah. let me yeah. get it done yeah and then as her only child man my mom would go to the ends of the earth for me bro i mean she she lived longer they gave her three months to live 
and uh, she lived a year in three months. Um, and I want to say that a big part was because of, of me, just just to hang out. You know, she had me in that year more than she had me around in the past 20. So it it was nice, you know. I got to sleep beside my mom. Um and you know, we would have our our conversations. No. Um and you know, I got to go with her to every one of her chemotherapies. Um she ended up in the hospital several times. And I was able to be there with her every one of those times. So. I'm sure that was tough, man. I'm sure that was a tough time. Um, You've really taught me a lot about showing love to my mom. Um, You know, we I don't want to make this about me or anything, but. You did. You have taught me about that, and uh, moms are very special. You know, they hold a very special place in in her heart, and uh, they do. They they selflessly live for us, and uh, I think we need to appreciate that at a higher level. And I can see how, you know, those were some painful times for you because now you've made it very clear to me of how special and how important a mother is um, in a children's life a child life so I thank you for that man yeah brother I really do you know like I like I always say man that and it's starting to change because <laughs> I think I'm just gonna restart this is too good of a fucking show to be so in the uh in the last week i mean things are starting to change because in the last week i've 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 read the uh four agreements <laughs> twice and i'm on my third time and uh, i'm not a reader um but all i have is is my experience um and So I've I've experienced a lot of pain in my life and you know if I can prevent other people from going through that then if they're willing to accept it I'll give them a hand in that way with my knowledge of of what you know it's it, going down a particular route if I've been down that route then you know don't know that it might not be the best one for them you know um becoming a a youth mentor and and you know like having the opportunity to talk to the kids in the high schools and stuff like that uh it's it's been great because you know I've I've had both sides of of it when I was in school I, I had that 
that chance to be on student council when my grades were straight A's. And then I can, I can also talk to those that, you know, have it rough where they're from because I couldn't play football on the street that I was raised unless I got into a fight. And so... Why? Because I was the new kid on that block. Mm. And um, all these guys, um, their families all knew each other. Mm. And so they couldn't... So I was different. Um, You know, I'm very light-complected. These guys were, you know, just straight, straight Hispanic, straight Mexican. Um, And... And they were also um, like migrant families, so they all traveled together. Yeah. And uh, and they so they knew each other really well. So in order for me to get out there and play as well, there was always somebody who wanted to freaking challenge me. Yeah. And so um, I luckily I I had gotten interested in in learning martial arts. And um, I would cut the yard. I would cut the yard outside the... outside the dojo so that I could go to to Taekwondo so I could go to to Taekwondo classes and um, that's where I I got you know uh, professional experience and so it made it made being able to play football on the street a little easier and um, I remember my dad was out horseback riding he was out horseback riding and uh, with a friend and I became really good in in uh, in taekwondo and and so one of these times I, I'm I'm there playing playing football and you know, I mean you trash talk, you know? <laughs> and and so we don't usually do that. No, no. <laughs> especially not on the street, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so so then an argument had come up and and uh, these were all family that are there on this block and so my dad's horseback riding and he's coming up and um so all the kids they're from the neighborhood and there was a lot of us and uh there there's like a circle right and we're we're in the ditch cuz uh it rains a lot and so there's there's these little ditches that run on the side of the street and uh, me and this guy are are in the ditch and and so like you know we both kind of like get up and he's tired and i'm tired and 
you know, our, our faces are red where we've been beating each other. And my dad, my dad's on top of the horse mm-hmm. and he's looking over all the kids, him and a friend of his, um, are looking from their horses. And, and so then I, he says, Mijo, ven paca. He's like, calls me over. So I go over there and he's like, what's going on? Like, you know, like he seems like he's getting over on you. Like, um, what's going on? And I said, dad, he's the, the third guy. <laughs> he's the third guy that I fight. So I'm tired. So it taught me how to be, you know, um, brave and stand up for myself. And so so um so yeah, so that's how, you know, slowly I gained respect there in the neighborhood and and um you know luckily i i didn't have to play with them all the time um but when i was when i first arrived in the neighborhood i did i didn't know anybody i didn't have any other friends and because i was an only child i was looking for companionship yeah for someone to play hang out with you know and just because you know my mom was there and um, my dad wasn't um so so I just started spending a lot of time by myself and I right behind my house there's there's an airport. Um kind of like the crop duster kind. Yeah. And so we would or I would go back there and and walk along the the landing strip and just um take my BB gun out there and shoot around and stuff. So so yeah. You talk about your past and and you do have uh a lengthy background you know um so i want to go to you graduate high school finally finally (laughs) (laughs) you um you know you had your past there but you end up deciding to somehow a conversation between you and your father of you know if you want to you want to do this long term you want to be a musician and you want to scale your business you know say goodbye to your family so you end up deciding after that conversation to go to the marine corps yep um how was that experience being in the marine corps man it was amazing it was amazing so what had happened was that i i had already graduated i was playing tejano music we were a great band and I got this wild hair that I wanted to join the Border Patrol. I was working at HEB. Um, and I'm working at HEB and I'm, um, and I'm gigging. So I didn't want to be at HEB forever. Now I wish I would have invested in HEB back then, <laughs> back then because 
Um, Look at what they've become. El, Jesus Christ. El so, Heb. Yeah, El Heb. El Heb. So, so I'm, I'm working at these, I'm doing these two things. And, um, and so I, I took the Border Patrol test and I failed it. And so I, I had heard that if you go to the military, you know, four years will allow you 10 extra points on that test. So, I. So your intentions were never to go to the Marine Corps. No. Okay. Yeah, I just needed the ten extra points. Right. So, um, so then I said, all right, well, let me let me go to the Marine Corps, and I'm going to go to the Marine Corps because it's the baddest motherfuckers there is. You I know? was going to ask, yeah, why uh, the Marine Corps? Man, because it was the baddest motherfuckers, and I had the example of my cousin mm-hmm. that I looked up to yeah. that had gone to the Marine Corps, right? Yeah. So, um. It turns out that he also became a border patrol agent afterwards, but he was in the Marine Corps for many years. And how older was your cousin? He, I believe, um, my forty-three. She, he's like about fifty-eight, I think, or maybe fifty-five, somewhere in there. So, um, and especially back in the old days, man, like that was huge. Like that was that age gap. You know, even that's if it was what like, I was gonna say. say, even if it's like eight years or nine years, yeah. ten years back then, that's like they're old, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um. So. So. But he's he's always been someone that everyone in the family kind of looked, looked up, up to him. as man. This he's doing well for himself. Yeah. And uh, and I had asked him, and I said, "Hey, I'm going to go to the Marine Corps. Um, you know, what what job do you think I I should I should ask for?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope this doesn't offend some freaking Marines out there, but it's gonna it's gonna. Yeah. And he said, "Well, whatever you do, man, like." Don't join the Marine Corps to go to the horn. You know, if you're going to fucking join the Marine Corps, bro, be the heart of the Marine Corps and go infantry. And I said, all right, good to go. Let's go. So, um, so I went in infantry and then while I was in, um, I guess I was I, my, my scores actually were through the roof. Uh, my ASVAP scores were great. I had the opportunity to do anything that I wanted in the book anything except for fly um i asked when the recruiter um he threw the book on the desk and he said go through the book you whatever you, you want. can do anything whatever and and i said i said what about fly and he's like no that's the one thing you can't do you have to go to college for that I'm like, damn it so um so then i said no I pushed the book away and I said, "Hey, I, I want to be infantry." I had I have to admit that I had a really good recruiter that was really looking out for me and said, "Like, no, like look through the freaking book, man." And um and so so then I I told him I I stuck to my guns, man. I said I wanted to be infantry, infantry, infantry. Then um I ended up getting sold on a forward observer um for artillery. Okay. So I was I was supposed to be I don't know I don't know because I ended up not doing that. Um, I guess I was supposed to be in front of everyone in some capacity, uh, calling for fire so that so that they would be able to hit the targets that they wanted to hit, um, which would have been pretty cool. But while I'm going through infantry school, uh, to then at some point um, get sent out to a different school so that I can learn that job, I was asked. Um, if I wanted to go and do something else because 
we had the highest ABS scores and we had the highest PT scores in the in the entire company. So they pulled they pulled us aside, and and I had the opportunity to become an an O three, which is still infantry, but O three thirteen, which was a LAV crewman um, on on a on a reconnaissance um, vehicle that was amphibious, which was really neat because we had you know four tires on the on the thing and and we also had propellers on the back and a trim vane that came up and we would go into the water and you know turn the propellers on and we would take off now and you know that's bad like it it had a freaking 25 millimeter bushmaster so like just so that everyone understands like we were shooting beer bottle size freaking rounds wow um so it was it was really neat so i when i saw when i saw that video they got me at the video man and and i was like yeah i'm like, doing I'm down i'm down let's do this yeah. so so yeah man um got in there went went in started doing that and then freaking 9-11 happens and i thought it was going to be an easy four when, now when did you go in what year i went in 2000 man september 17th in 2000 yeah, where were you in 2000, Big Dog? I was in freaking fourth grade, I think. So yeah. I was born in 91. 91. So I was nine. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth grade. Yeah. Just like my son. Yeah. So um, so there I am in boot camp. And uh, September 17th, man, going into boot camp, I, I was struck with rea- the reality of the marine corps world yeah because by the way like you never joined for one you never thought about joining the marine no. corps and then you join and then it's like okay i'll do my four years i'll get out yeah but nobody knew about fucking 9 11 no man and uh and so it it happens and we start doing workups and we start doing um like we just started increasing like the size of of the company just started to increase we started uh, doing all kinds of training traveling everywhere um i got to go to singapore i got to go to uh, japan i got to go to shanghai china i got to go to um where else got to go to guam uh went to thailand like went all over the place and um, what is it what is the intention like of sending you guys to just terrain like yeah to get to go and get experience in different terrain okay so and and to start doing like combined arms okay. because usually it would be us us uh training out in the desert mm-hmm. and we're not we're not dealing with anyone else and if we're all going to be going into war together then we start you know doing operations with like the british or we start doing operations with the with the army and so that we can all tie in things makes sense yeah so we now we're we're doing operations out there with uh on like lcacs so like um we're coming out out the belly it's like the ships were giving us birth you know <laughs> and we were being birthed out the back of the freaking ship and this big ass door comes down it's really interesting because the ship has these ballasts inside that allow the ship to have less buoyancy on the back 
and more in the front and it sinks the ship from the back to allow to allow yeah to allow water to come into the belly of the of the ship wow and now we're able to come out of wow. the belly um on on the hovercrafts yeah and so like on a hovercraft we had like four lavs and then we had uh humvees that were like up armored and had like all this 50 cals and everything on top and we would come out on the hovercrafts and you know it's just this boat with bags and uh and the fans in the back and it's just flying over the top of the water and we would hit the beach and when we hit the beach the doors would come down they would unhook everyone and we would, we would just get off on the beach and uh so now we started working along with the Humvees, which we had never done before. And so now we started coordinating attacks um, to simulate what we could be doing in the future. So you guys were preparing for like D-Day yeah. of the 21st century. Yeah. Pretty much. Yep. That's a, that's a vivid freaking... And there's many history teachers that would tell us like, if you guys really want to like relive World War II, watch that movie. And that is like the most vivid footage that you can see that will make you relive D-Day. Like, yeah. and, and I, I intentionally rewatched it with the, with the purpose of, you know, trying to feel that day. There's a lot of weight. Yeah. You know? So one of the places that I got to visit was Iwo Jima. And, and I got to, you know, see the mountain that the flag was raised on. So we hiked up to the top and they have memorials there for the Japanese and for the American soldiers that passed away. There's still guns, Japanese guns out the side of, of this mountain from the fighting, from the fighting holes. And I got to realize like, just how hard it was for them to even get to land the like the closest i've gotten to even experiencing that kind of terrain like i grew up on the ocean i grew up on the beach i have never seen a shoreline like the one there the shoreline there on iwo jima is like imagine the pebbles that are inside an aquarium being, you know, five feet deep and try walking on those kind of pebbles because the volcanic rock there is, it's just like little pebbles. So as you're walking, like you're literally sinking as you walk. So imagine these guys with their packs that are like 80 pounds wet carrying ammo so on top of the pack they're carrying ammo they're going through these normandy barriers getting shot at getting freaking artillery fire as well i mean it's ridiculous what yeah. they what they went through to get onto that onto that island and yeah you no know, it's just crazy yeah
Let me reset the camera so we can. Is it almost? It's eleven already. How oh, wait? Yeah. Yeah, it's in the camera. We do have a memory card in here, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah put it in there. Um, yeah, if not, it wouldn't even let me record. Oh, well. Hey, okay. we'll let you record, yeah. So, where did, where did you, you go to Iraq or did you go to Afghanistan? Went to Iraq. Iraq? Yeah. Okay. Afghanistan was later on, like, oh, what, oh, seven? I think it was oh, six. Oh, six? I believe. Okay. Maybe, maybe even earlier, maybe oh, five, oh, six. I don't know. So, talk to me about, um, you landing in iraq like how what was that experience like it was interesting because we there was no landing uh we went on ship okay so it took us like three months to get there okay um and you I took guess, off from where i guess there's a lot of strategy involved um we left i left from san diego okay and damn and so we we get to kuwait and we come off the ships in Kuwait and they, I don't know, magically our, our vehicles are there. And so then we go and we, we drive over to the camp we were going to be at. Mm -hmm. um, 
which I believe was called Camp Camp Cobra, I believe. Were you guys the first ones to go in, or there was already? Uh, no, so we so we went um, over to this camp that's still there in Kuwait. Okay, and and so then little by little you start more more people start to arrive okay. and more people start to arrive okay and and then we we started pushing out and we started uh setting up um like like security along the iraq and kuwait border mm-hmm. and we were you know i mean we were sitting around freaking finding out what to do in the desert besides clean your weapons all day. Yeah. Um, sitting in a... How long were you guys there before it was time? Like you guys actually, you know, the first strike? I don't know. I honestly can't remember. It might have been, I don't know, maybe a month and a half. Wow. I'm just assuming. Um, and it might have been like two weeks. It felt like a month and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but... But yeah, we um, we were there, and and we we you'd, we would we didn't want to sleep in the uh, in the hooch or in the it's, it's like a big just a long tent, um, and I'm I mean you know they're they're big, but it's a, a long tent, and everybody just sleeps there along the wall or whatever. And but there was camel spiders that that would come out. I mean, those suckers are big. They're you know bigger than your hand, including like the legs and stuff. And they would just run across the the walls of the of, of the tent. So, and it was really dark in there. We didn't have like you know. I mean, we couldn't use really big generators or anything. So I don't I don't know how it was working. Like we just didn't have a lot of equipment there at the time. And so we'd have like the door open in order to have a breeze. Like there was no air conditioning, none of that stuff. And so we'd be hanging out in the vehicles. And then I remember this, we we started playing football with a sock. And so there we are. And this other, this other friend of mine, uh, he jukes the hell out of the freaking guy in front of him and he breaks his 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 shin whatever that is his tibia or whatever like he he broke his his shin and so and he this guy was a real like motivator he's still a a real big motivator he owns a um uh, air conditioning company in in arizona now uh called semper fi Semperfy heating and cooling, I believe. Okay, but he, he, and that was as close as he got, you know, which sucked, especially for like, you know, us that are like gung ho at this point. We've been training and training and training, and as Marines, like, all you want is to go and freaking get some action, devour <clears throat> whoever you're going up against. Yeah, and uh, here we are you know in kuwait wasting time and as simply as running in the sand and he pulls a little juke and, and that happens yeah and there goes so now he's getting transported to mm. freaking germany and we don't see him again wow. and um 
So uh, then freaking scuds go over our freaking head. Scuds missiles get shot from Iraq and they land in the freaking desert there. We didn't get to see them, but like they landed somewhere off in the desert. And so they weren't sure if they were going to be, um, if they were going to have, you know, a gas or, or some sort of chemical. So here we all are gassing up and getting into mop gear. And so if you've never been around mop gear, you don't know what it is. It's like these really uh, thick jackets and pants and rubber boots that you have to strap on a certain way so that you don't get any contamination underneath the suit. And then you have to put in the gas mask and, and you know, it's like high altitude training type shit. Uh, and uh, sweating up a storm. We're in the freaking desert wearing like winter, winter Gear. clothes pretty Oof. much. And uh, so it was, it was miserable. So then uh, we, we go and, and finally, I think I have a photo of where it was like March 18th at the time in 2023. 20, and um, so we're, we're there on the, on the border uh, to go into Iraq. And uh, we took a, a vehicle picture for the crew, the crew picture. And uh, I think that was on the 18th of, um, of March, right before we, right before we went yeah. in. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, um, would you say that despite, and it's just crazy how life happens, right? But despite the Marine Corps never been something that you aspired to be as a child, mm-hmm. because you do have the kids that tell you, I'm like, I'm going to go to the military. What branch? I don't know yet, but you know, you, I, I ran into a few of those in school. I, I do remember, but despite that not being what you intended to do, and then, you know, then now you, you do find yourself as, as a Marine Corps, um, would you consider that to, to have been like the, the, the most transformational experience, um, or impactful, uh, piece or part of your life? I think so, because, I really didn't, I wasn't a bad kid, but I was lazy and I, I didn't really have a sense of pride. There was no real goal in life. And, and going to the Marine Corps taught me a lot about um, just leadership. So what about commitment? Did it teach you? Oh about? my God, bro. There was no getting late anywhere. You know, it was 15 minutes early. You were, we used to run. I remember we used to, and now I wish I could go back and like measure how far it was that we ran because the, the, um, what was it called? I can't remember, but, um, where we staged our vehicles, I can't remember at the time, but where we had the vehicles, uh, on base was, it was a it was a lengthy ways from from where our barracks was at and out of nowhere you know things change and instead of it being at you know 8 30 now it was at eight and here we are hauling ass to get there and so um yeah 
So before we move on from the Marine Corps, is mm-hmm. there is there any experience um, that you can remember mm-hmm. that you still carry till this day, um, and and that you say, um, you know, I, I will carry this one, and and it positively impacted my life, um, and I I would have never learned it if it wasn't for the Marine Corps that you now apply in in life. I mean, I think leadership, um, pride, valuing yourself, um, your abilities, your capabilities are are big. Um, appearance, um, trying to be as ready as you possibly can, being. I guess I shouldn't say being, but how do I say it? Not giving in easily. Mm. Um, you know, being vicious, being fucking vicious and not not giving up. Um, I mean, I can go on with so many things that you, know, it, you, you embrace the suck, man. It fucking sucks. You know, you're out there 126 degrees wearing mop suits and, you know, you make a freaking, you make a a little canal under your vehicle so that you can crawl to the shade because there's no shade anywhere else. You freaking, you know, wrap your water bottle in a sock and wet the sock so you can spin the hell out of it and cool the sock down to then cool your water down just a little bit to get it down from almost boiling, you know? So going through all that stuff, man, uh, attention to detail, you know? I mean, something as simple as a damn iris pennant, you know, on a shirt or or a suit. Like, I mean, there's just so much that the freaking Marine Corps teaches you. And I really didn't have any of that prior to that, you know? I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was a get bad, bad kid, but I didn't have anything to shoot for in life. Yeah, I can see that. You, you know, women usually do have like a, a pathway to teach them or, or transition them from, you know, being, you know, uh, young girls to now being adults, you know, they... Mm-hmm you know, their breasts start to grow and now they got start to go through their menstrual cycle and all that. But men don't really have like a passage, you know, from, from being a young boy to then being an adult. And, you know, that's sometimes that I, I, some, something I wish I would have done, mm-hmm. you know, because I think it would, uh, it would have allowed me to, in a sense, go through that rite of passage, you know, of going, the, the military definitely does that to you. You know, yeah. it does, it does instill those values, and and it's like a rite of passage for men you know um but so then the marine corps is over yeah um and now you have what you want well i i had to go get that 
Okay. Right? So I had to sign up for the freaking Border Patrol. All right. I've got my 10 extra points, and uh, now I got to go pass a damn test. So I, I went and I tried out again, and luckily I passed. Yeah, nice. I don't even know what I ended up scoring. You with didn't even my need those 10 extra points. No. I don't. I don't know if I did or I didn't. Right. I mean, I don't know if I passed by the skin on my teeth. You know, <laughs> I don't know. They. It was a. Uh, it was. Uh, they rounded up. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, we're gonna have to round up. And um, so how was how was the experience there at the at the border patrol? It was awesome. Um, I was a, a section leader for. It's it's weird, I guess. These guys have experience in uh, at the academy, so the board the border patrol agent shows up. You know, it's already like I'm back in Marine Corps because they're yelling at us all over again. Get the hell off the bus, and we line up outside, and and then they they go through and they say, you know, who's former military, and they start raising their hands, and then they ask what branch I was in. And I said I was in the Marine Corps, and so they said, "All right, come on over here, stand in the front. We're gonna give you a try." And so I, I was the section leader uh, in my in my class. And the last week before graduation, I had to take a test, and I was struggling on my grades. I, you know, had to be had to make sure that everyone was where they had to be. So I'm running around the barracks, um, making sure that people aren't drunk, making sure that uh, people aren't making babies, making sure that, you know, um, making sure that people aren't doing stupid stuff, trying to jump off the third third floor of the freaking uh, barracks that we're at. Um, you know, just so much. And, uh, and so my, my instructor was looking out for me and said, you know, said, Hey, you've been one of the best I've ever worked with and I'm looking out for you and I want to take this responsibility away from you. So, so that you can do, do well on your exam. And so, um, they, they put someone else into my position and I was able to just focus on my on your test on my on my exam and uh luckily i was able to pass so wow is uh are are you because i'm a horrible test taker mm-hmm. um has has that uh has that messed with you like with your life so i'm a i'm an amazing test taker bro and that's not me boasting mm. um i my grades were horrible in school i wouldn't apply myself but I had some of the highest, like at the time it was like your task scores and they were the highest in the class. And the teacher would make, the teacher would make jokes because he'd say, you know, you can't freaking pass the class, but the highest in the class, you know, was Renee Atkinson. So, um, so yeah, it's always been, been something that I was good at, except for the first time I took the damn border patrol <laughs> test, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I was, I'm, and still to this day, I, I just don't get the way they formulate these tests because my point is, and 
and I always I was talking to some friends over the weekend. Uh, there's this gal who's trying to go to nursing school, and um, you know when they when they do these tests, it's like okay, read 50 chapters, and then we're gonna choose 10 questions of the information that was within these 50 chapters, mm-hmm. and then we'll test you that way. Yeah. Okay. And my my thought process is when when it's the real deal, you know when when you're in the emergency room and there's an emergency uh surgery happening you don't have time to go through 50 chapters to find the right answer just give me the information that i have to learn and and let's go about it that way like why do we have to make it so difficult why do we have to make it so i'm gonna trick you you know i'm gonna put a few answers in there that are that are wrong and why don't we just make it easier and teach me what I have to learn? Like, why? what do I have to learn? This? Fine. That way I can get better at that instead of being better at, at strategically figuring out how I'm going to, you know, uh, pass this test. Um, that's one thing I hate about school, you know. Just give me yeah. the information that I need, you know. Why make it so freaking difficult? And I always had a very hard time. If <clears throat> Imagine if if every career path was that way you want to become a nurse then let's just give you the classes that you need to become a nurse but it's not you're 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 like taking like university 101 like what am i doing with the university like what am i doing with all these other other classes that have nothing to do with nursing um if i'm going to be an engineer whoa you got to do all these things wait what why am i doing those when i want to become an engineer I yeah, know. no. So getting back to you, how do we go? How do we go from okay? We were at the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at the Border Patrol. Yeah, I understand you got you know medically uh, retired, and then how do we go from um, after being medically retired? How did you figure out? Okay, I'm gonna go to culinary school. I'm gonna you know be a welder. I'm gonna be a barber. Yeah, like what was happening during that time like why did why did you choose all that stuff because i didn't know who the hell i was to be honest i had to find myself and um i'm still fucking looking bro (laughs) every day still freaking searching um so so yeah i the only thing i wanted to do was was be a border patrol agent and i wanted to you know continue going up i i was applying for everything I could. I um, I did firearms instructor. Um, so I, I became a firearms instructor in the Border Patrol. And then I I did horse patrol. And then um, I tried out for, for BORTAC. And while, while I'm going through the in-dock for, for BORTAC, um, I had this ridiculous pain under my under my rib and it felt like every time I breathed I was getting punched in like the liver or something crazy and I we 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 were doing all this running and all kinds of stuff and we end up going and we get into the into the swimming pool we're supposed to swim in in our swim swim across 250 meters and so i'm doing that and the pain is ridiculous and so 
eventually I was like, you know, I, I can't even put my, I can't keep a breath in me. So it's becoming really difficult to swim when I can't even get a breath because of the pain being so severe. So I um, go over to the edge of the swimming pool and, you know, the, the instructor's going off on me and I get, I get out of the pool and he says, you know, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I've never felt anything like this. So luckily my, my girlfriend at the time had had enough, I guess, and said, let me go sign you up um, so that you can get checked. And so she, she did great because it turned out that I had cancer and I had a tumor in my kidney. So this is like on a Thursday and um, I think it was more like on a Wednesday and the doctor says, um, well, it, it was interesting because nothing ever happens whenever you go to a, to the doctor, you know, you go and, oh, there's nothing wrong or, oh, you go. Tylenol, I'd be pro. Yeah, it's not never a big thing. And so this time I, I go and I'm supposed to get my results and the doctor, I, I go into the waiting, into that little room and the doctor comes in and he says, did you come alone? And I said, yes. He says, I wish you didn't. And he threw a file on, on the, the little, uh, the little table where you sit down on top of, he, uh, he said, I wish you didn't. He threw the file. He went back out the door and I said, I don't know what this is about. Um, and then I, I remember um, by this time phones existed. And so I, I call my girlfriend and I'm like, hey, you know, he's, he came in and he said this. I don't know what's going on. Comes back in and he says, hey, we found a mass. Um, I'm not that kind of doctor. I'm, I'm an infectious disease specialist. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know about that stuff. So I can't say much. So when I, when I kind of gathered that it was maybe a little serious was when he pulled his cell phone out of his pocket and said, I want you to go see um, a doctor here down the road. And he called him to his personal phone and said, hey, I need you to see somebody. He's on his way over there. And he gave me a little CD and uh, a file. And he said, you know, go on down the road. And so I called my girlfriend back and I said, hey, they gave, they gave me a CD and said, I have a mass. And so I went down the street. I waited for her to get there and she got there and we went inside and um, he was like a form, firm, form, firm, he was a former um, like colonel in the military and I can't remember what branch. And he, so he was like really straight. He was no, no messing around. And uh, he said, you know what, come on over with me. There's no need to wait, you know, let's go over to this little room. We've got a little computer here and we'll be able to pull the image up and let's see okay. what we got. Yeah. So <clears throat> he pulls up the image and he says, he says, well, I'm, uh, I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, I would put this on cancer. So I said, all right, well, you know, now what happens? And he says, well, we're gonna have to do surgery. I said, okay, how, uh, what about, like, what exactly is going to happen? He's like, well, I'm going to remove your kidney because um, luckily, like, you know, the, the kidneys expanded 
because of the size of the tumor, but it's, it's still encapsulated. Yeah, it hasn't. Yeah, so we want to keep it there. Okay. He said, there's no need for me to go in there and do a biopsy. And then and then now I'm exposing you yeah. to the cancer. Mm-hmm. So he says, uh, we'll just go ahead and remove it. You'll be fine. You'll live off of one. I said, all right, could it go? That easy, huh? Yeah, that easy. So it's like Wednesday. And uh, he says, I said, okay, so like when, when do we do the surgery? He's like, Friday. I'm like, wait, like, that's just like two days from now. And I said, my, my work doesn't know. Um, I need to, I need to see if I can get days off. I need to do all this stuff. And he's like, that doesn't know, even I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure we'll take care yeah, of everything. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. So, so then I, I, uh, I said, well, does it have to be Friday? And he's like, okay, we'll do it Monday. I was like, all right, thanks, man. You gave me a few more days. I remember came out of there, went over to a pizza joint. I had never had a dark beer before in my life. And I said, you know what? Give me a dark beer because it's probably not something I'm going to be able to have mm-hmm. um, in the future. So I had a had a dark beer there. And and on Monday, I was back in for, for surgery. You're on and, the table? Yeah. But... But yeah, so whenever I was I was in the border patrol, you know, it was it was all I wanted to do. I was uh, taking all the proper proper steps. steps that I needed to go up the chain of command and hopefully end up in Washington someday or something like that. And um, you know, after that, I decided I was going to go into bike patrol, and then I busted my arm. And so after that, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do because that was all I wanted to do, and. I didn't have any college experience, so I, I I had nothing to fall back on. That's why I encourage kids nowadays, go you know, school. go to school, man. Even if it's going to go and get a degree in something you like, because even if that's not the path you end up being on later on, it's something you can fall back on to get you back on your feet whenever that maybe doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. So... So yeah, so then I was trying to find myself, man, decided to go to culinary school and went and did that. And at the same time, I started a, uh, a barbecue company. So so that's you did that first, right? Like you, you left the Border Patrol and then immediately you went to culinary school? Yeah, so okay. uh, shortly after went into culinary school. And then, and then while I was in culinary school, we started like working on, um, on, our, on our project on what you were going to create so let's just start working on it right now okay so it was like okay well let's start doing all the rest research and let's start doing all this stuff so um luckily for me i i had the the help that i had been saving money because i had i had that job so so i had some money saved so i pulled some money out and um, ended up um buying a food truck so while we were creating the 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 restaurant that we wanted to in culinary school um i was actually doing it doing it you know so um so then i was able to get the food truck and then my wife and i started going in and competing professionally um with all the guys from like pit masters and all them that were on tv that i had been seeing so I kind of took a liking to the barbecue world. And so while I was going to school, I was doing this. So then I started teaching uh, classes in culinary school to teach about uh, doing barbecue and what, what I was doing. And, 
And so everything that we would like do in culinary school, I would then tie it around to yeah. culinary school. I yeah. mean, to a barbecue. Right. And uh, and so so yeah, so did did well with the barbecue company, and then um, luckily got the opportunity. My my, it was we were struggling because the kids were were really young. And then we we were sitting them like on top of the ice chest that was inside the food truck, and here we were. At this you know, time, you had how many kids? I had two. two. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, one came, and then and then in all that, like the second one came, and so Michelle's pregnant, and inside the inside the truck, and yeah. um, I would I would focus on on all the protein, and yeah. she would focus on like the, the sides. sides, and so that became hard, and then uh, there we were struggling to. We were struggling financially because I didn't have the money I was making before. You know, I went from making a. Yeah. Is that one my memory card? Yeah. No, it's a recording time. Oh, okay. And so, so yeah, so then, um, so then, you know, we're we're struggling because. You know, I I had had a six figure job, and now I'm going from six figures to like, entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. So I'm making hardly anything. Yeah. There was like four months that for the transition that I made zero dollars because I was transitioning from I can't even remember anymore, like the federal pay to now transitioning to OPM or something like that, mm-hmm. and so I didn't receive a paycheck. So um, we had to be really careful and. And uh, I think my wife even got onto like food stamps, and we got onto that, and and so it was really difficult. And then, you know, we've got we've got a newborn, and now my my um, my wife's now pregnant, and because we had them back to back, like they're 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 Irish twins, you know, um, like they're twelve months apart. Wow. So. So then, like, you know, she's pregnant, we're in the vehicle, we're having to drive places, her feet are swollen, she's got a bad attitude, she's hot, she's everything else, she's standing on her feet, long hours, dealing with the customers, and I'm cutting it up, and so forth, I'm cutting the meat up, and um, and then we get home, and there was no break, because it's a 12-hour cook, at least, on brisket and pulled pork and pork ribs and beef ribs and all this stuff making potatoes um so so i had to get out from the event that we were at to get back home to start cooking and to be up all night so that i could be and i still had to trim the meat that's so beside the 12 hour cook i still had to trim all the stuff that i was going to be making so i was making like 15 briskets um so it, it was it was something else so um it, it had become difficult and then um we were approached by by this father and son that came down from uh from oregon and asked if you know we were interested in in them buying the 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 food truck and so um so we said yeah so we named the price and um i i helped them out with uh, how they how i was cooking and and then they hauled the freaking truck off to go. to medford oregon 
and uh, and ended up over there. I got to see them once after that, mm-hmm. which was really neat, um, out of coincidence. Right. And so it was it was really neat. And I was back to I have no idea what the hell I'm gonna do. You know, I didn't have the money to go or the or the knowledge that I have now of what it took to open a freaking brick and mortar location. Yeah. It was impossible to me at the time. Freaking impossible. There was no one that was going to loan me anything. There, And that was the only way. That was the only thing I knew. And I wasn't earning what I used to earn. I had all kinds of bills that had piled up suddenly because at the time it was comfortable. It was comfortable debt. Now it was no longer comfortable debt. So I didn't have a bank that was going to loan me anything. And I had no way to do it according to me then yeah so um that's as far as that went and then um i had been the barracks barber since september 17th 2000 so (laughs) so um i was we were in iraq and i was cutting people's hair with freaking hand shears Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like a sheep you know sheep type shears yeah and there i was freaking cutting people's hair and so, um, so I, on ship, you know, I was in the freaking barbershop in there freaking cutting everybody, including the, the captains and the freaking captain of the ship. You know, I, I did, did it all and I had no idea how to do it, you know, but I was just, all right, well, let's do let's it. Do it. I, you know, I know it's got to look good. So let me just try to make it look good. Yeah. And, uh, so I decided, all right, well, let me, go let barber. me go and try barber school. So I went and I tried barber school and then. Um, I enjoyed it and I was using my GI Bill at the time. I still had GI Bill available. And so I decided that I want to stay and I wanted to become a barber instructor now. So I stayed and continued and um, went through the schooling for, for uh, to become a barber instructor, instructor as well. Okay. Yeah. And that, that just opened doors. Um, you know, just ended up freaking getting hired by that company to to now move out to Pecos and uh, and open open a barbershop there for that federal facility. And and now we were cutting hair uh, in the barbershop for, for uh, 1,300 children and like 1,200 staff, 1,100, 1,200 staff. Wow. So, so that, was, that was something else as well. That was, you know, and, and then it, everything just opened doors, opened doors, opened doors and so yeah and then from there you went to uh welding school yeah well before all that so before yeah you're right so before um before going to barber college in between there i went to welding school so then i ended up going to western tech and um and i had had an interest in welding and so I said, all right, well, I'll end up in, in, in the oil field somewhere and I'll, I'll go do that. Um, so I, I started welding, welding school again on the GI Bill. And I, I finished that, um, ended up graduating top of the class. Um, we called ourselves, it was three of us that graduated, uh, uh, magna cum laude and, um, we 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 had our our little ropes and we had no idea what the little ropes signified because we weren't into that but hey cool we've got these little ropes around our neck and so um so then we call ourselves our the one percenters 
because we were 1% short of getting the 100 in class because our freaking instructor, man, was like, y'all are students, and because you're students, I'll never give you a hundred. So, so, <laughs> so we were like, man, we were the one percenters because we can never get a freaking hundred in class. We we're one percent shy, but yeah. So um, learn, learn to weld, man. It was amazing. I uh, really, in, I really enjoy welding still till today. And um, but my wife didn't want me to go out to the freaking oil field. Um, I was, you know, I was going through a lot emotionally and physically um the 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 marine corps was something else um on my on my body on my mind and so now that i didn't have the border patrol and i it exacerbated everything that hadn't been addressed in the yeah. past yeah and so all this just started like kind of like a in a swamp where you see the mud and you push on the mud and the water just starts to consume you. It just starts going, you know, the mud starts sinking and, and everything that's underneath just starts coming up to the top. That's how everything just started to affect me. And so, um, so yeah, so it, it became, it became very difficult um and so she said you know i don't i don't think that you going out there is the best you it's know healthy. you're going to be out there with 21 year olds yeah. and and it's going to become really yeah. difficult and it's going to be difficult for the family so um and so you know oil field workers do have it very tough and my hat goes off to all those guys that are out there yeah um and so i uh ended up just with more knowledge and i didn't go out there i helped out in town and i um you know get odd jobs yeah. helping out and most of the time it was more just helping out friends and family man yeah. you know don't worry about it you've got an issue i'll come around and i'll fix it for you so and then came barber college after that. yeah yeah um so you're here now yeah um you you obviously experienced some pain you know and i can see it there uh during your time in welding um do you consider where you are today in life um, already a place where where you have been able to leave all that behind, or or are you still uh, working on that? I think I'm in the best place I've ever been. Okay. Because everything that that I went through in combat in the Marine Corps was just being was just being um suppressed by the border patrol okay i was able to cope really well with with my trauma mm -hmm. because i was in a sense still able to be in the marine corps um i was still in the bush i was still in the vehicle i was still armed i was still um of service yeah and um and so so whenever i was i no longer had that then that's when it all and it, it just it just came in yeah and you know there was nothing wrong with me and and we all say that you know there's nothing wrong with me but you know my wife was dealing with the with the nightmares my wife was dealing with um I, you know 
trying to strangle her. So, one night, I don't even know what happened, but um, I ended up on top of her, and I was literally strangling, strangling her. I mean, do you imagine, bro, if I'd have actually, actually killed her? I would, what was I going to say to a courtroom? I don't know what the fuck happened. Let me go. I swear I don't know. So. So yeah. Um, so it, you know it was just. There was a lot of demons that hadn't been dealt with. And. Um, and so I guess I was acting out in, in my sleep. And I was you know I was having nightmares. And I'd be. You know, it was just, it was difficult. And not so much for me, right? But what fault does do, does a spouse have, yeah. whether that be male or female, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of female military members that go through stuff afterwards. And, um, and, and whoever you marry didn't sign up for that shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and so... So yeah, so it was it was something else. And it was something else, bro. But I mean are you better now? Yeah, I'm I'm in the best place that I've ever been. I, you know, I'm getting seen, I get treatments, I'm on medication. Um I'm happy with what I'm doing. Um I'm I'm fulfilled. I've got a loving wife, I've got a beautiful family. Um and now everything I've been through in life is something that I see as a teaching tool and something that I now have in my backpack for not only myself, but for other people, you know, um, now I can deal with, with, you know, the former company that I was with, you know, I was able to relate with employees yeah. when they'd come over, sit down in my office and tell me about, you know, their issues. I was able to First and foremost, just fucking listen. Yeah. Like I didn't, maybe I couldn't, yeah, you know, understand exactly everything. But at least I hey, can listen. I can freaking sit here and listen yeah. because, man, let me tell you, I've had hundreds of hours where somebody sits across from me and just freaking listens. listens. So I don't think you know a lot of people have just that opportunity. So so just sitting across from them and letting them vent and. If they wanted to cry, then go ahead. If you know, if if you want to laugh, then Just we can laugh. do that too. But <laughs> but I'm here for you, you know, because I've been in the freaking suck, and I, I I I empathize and I sympathize with you. I'm here. I got you. So so yeah, it has put me in a in a hell of a better place, man. And that's what we got to do in life is just look back at all the fucking things that we've been through and use them as freaking teaching tools and not say, oh, I've had this horrible freaking life. And yeah, but you're here right now, bro. And you're freaking you've got some experience somewhere along the way, whether your freaking father was banging your freaking head across the freaking wall all the way down a freaking hallway. Yes, that fucking sucks. And I don't condone it. But you know what? That's experience that you got that now you can 
either teach your children, hey, this is not how I'm going to treat you. This is how I was treated. You have it a lot better than I do. And like, I don't want to teach you this way. I don't want you to get that way. Uh, don't be this way. Um, like there's so many things that you, that you learn, you know, it's like, I'm not going to follow the same footsteps that my father, that my father followed. I'm not going to, like, I'm not, there's so many things, man. You can be a freaking drug addict, man. And you can go through what you go through and, and you're here today still, like you've recovered that you're no longer there. Like there's still a purpose for you. And if you want to suddenly end up in freaking college and go get a damn degree that's going to now make you a mental health provider, then great. Go and freaking see a bunch of other people that you're going to be able to say, I understand where you're at, man. Yeah. Like, you see me now, bro. You want me to show you the fucking tracks? I've got the tracks, you know? Here's, I've been there, dog. Like, I got you. You don't want to, you don't want to go down the road that you've been on. I, I'm, I'm a testimony to that. I can tell you, you know, there's better. You, you've still got a future. You're still here today. Yeah. You're not freaking six feet under yet. Yeah. You keep going down the route you're going down, you might end you up will there. Be. You know, but yeah. I but that person is able to say, I've got this experience, man. I got you. And you're gonna resonate with people. You're gonna be able to you're gonna be able to understand them and speak to them and help them out. And that's what we a lot of times need, man, is that person that's fucking real. Don't put me in front of somebody that's freaking had a silver spoon or a golden spoon in their freaking mouth, never known the freaking suck. And try to understand you and try to tell you what the fuck you got to do about yourself are you serious bro what the fuck do you know about life if you haven't really lived it yeah great bro i'm so glad that you got the experience that you got off of off of the 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 knowledge that you got in college i'm glad but sit there and listen to a bunch of us so that you can get the knowledge that you need because right now you're not there yeah you know and it sucks that we've been there we've 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 lived it it sucks but and it's it's not against you either but sit back before you freaking tell me what i've got to do and how i've got to do it and how i need to just um you know just forget about it you need to stop thinking that way the fuck you mean i need to stop thinking help me fucking stop doing that shit can you help me there because if i knew how to do it then i'd have done it and if it was that easy we would all fucking do it so it's not that easy so i don't know what they taught you wherever you were at but it ain't like that man yeah and and, and that's a as simple as understanding that the first thing is bro it's a process okay and it's not going to be a one session you know yeah i mean dude it's going to take time man yeah um and and you know i think that's the first that's the first thing that needs to be left clear yeah like, it's not gonna happen it's tomorrow not. it's gonna yeah. it's gonna take a little bit it's not just like i'm gonna forget about it today and that's yeah. it no yeah you yeah know, it takes time i want to open up this uh this sh- or, or close this show actually by giving you the opportunity this this recording mm-hmm. um eventually we won't be here you know yeah. where it all come to an end but this video will still be around yeah so i want to open up the the ability for you to if there's one thing or two things that you could tell your children um because of your experience and because of what you've done because of what you've overcame and uh 
what's still left because we're going to build some amazing shit but um what what would you tell your children um that that they need to carry on with them for the rest of their life I would say that they're a lot more intelligent and capable than they think they are. Not to not to give up. I would say a big lesson for me has been, you know, don't procrastinate because of fear of of not knowing what you need to do. Start doing it and you'll figure it out along the way. And And that I'm already. So proud of him. That one's even making me choke up. I think we forget to tell our children that. Yeah, man, it, it takes a lot to be a kid nowadays, bro. Because not only do they have to struggle through not having the mother and father around because they're providing a living for them but they also have to battle the cell phones in their hand and so so the kids really 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 struggle to have to have that one-on-one -on -one time and um And a lot of the times, man, that's all they freaking really need. <clears throat> Uriah, he enjoys, he wants to have blackouts. He wants to have the lights, the power go off. No. <clears throat> Because then we're all going to get together and freaking uh, play a board game. Yeah. There, so... Then we're going to have time. Then I'm going to have your time because you're not going to be able to do that or this or that or that. 
you're going to be right here and we're going to have a candle and we're all going to be together and we're going to play a board game. So, man, so much, so much of the time, they just, all they want, man, is just to spend time with us. Yeah. And, um, and to let the, and, and, and for, they want to know that we're proud of them. Yeah. And, um, that got me, man. Um, yeah, we, we need, definitely need to, we need to tell our children a lot more often how proud we are of them because it is harder to grow up in today's world where things are changing at a rapid pace and uh, there's so much distraction, there's so much information available now at their fingertips and um, it's important for us to let them know, hey, you're a freaking warrior, man. Yeah. You know, like you're you're pushing through, you're pulling through these times and yes, I know I'm here, but at the end of the day, you're the one making the decision. You're the one making the choice to say, nah, I'm not going to give up today. I'm going to wake up another day. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to put up with whatever's happening. Even if they're getting bullied, even if they're looking at, you know, stuff they're not supposed to be looking at, they still push through, man. And those are things that honestly, I didn't have to do when I was a kid. And it's important to bring it up to people's attention and let them know, hey, it, it is harder to be a kid in today's world. And you should be freaking proud of your kids, you know? Because they're teaching you that it's possible. They're teaching you that they're resilient. They're teaching you that they have the power, the courage, man, to push through. And uh, I think that's a great way <laughs> to to really end this show, man. You, uh, it's it's rare that I cry, and you choked me up on that one because it's important that we need our, we let our children know how special they are to us, and the fact that. Especially, you know, for me anyway, like my children, they really changed my life, man. And, uh, you know, aside from my wife, which is the most precious thing that I have, um, my children, man, you know, they, uh, they're very precious and I love them dearly. And I am extremely proud of both of my kids. So. Yeah, big dog. <laughs> it was a good talk. Yeah, man. It was a great talk thanks thanks for opening up and you know yeah being being honest being honest with us and uh letting the listeners tap into a little bit more of who renee is and um if you did it they can do it too man damn straight bro so many of us are so freaking able we just don't put in the time because our mind is is a powerful thing man and our little voice inside our head is the one that we spend the most time with yeah and sometimes you know it can sabotage us yeah well i don't want to hold you any longer because um i know you and the wife got something special happening this weekend it's getting close to noon and you guys have a, a flight to catch but i wish you guys nothing but you know uh good vibes and uh you guys need to go out there and be where your feet are. Like I've always said, yeah. you know, don't think about anything else. Go spend some time together and uh, love on your wife, man. Yeah. And, brother. and have a good time out there. Thanks. Appreciate that. All right. Well, with that being said, guys, thanks for tuning into the show. Um, we really appreciate you. And uh, I know it was a, it was, it was a long episode. It was deep, but um, I was, I was trying to just, bring as much as i could out of renee and uh let you guys know um what we're all about you know if you guys want to really spend time with us and uh listen to us and i think it's important for you guys to know where this information is coming from um and the only way to really do that is to you know let you guys into our mind and into our brain and into our past and what we've been through so 
thanks for doing that this today, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for for uh, for just getting to know us a little bit better. Yep. All right. Well, uh, as we always do, remember that um, you know if you don't follow us yet, make sure you go follow us. We're on all the uh, podcast platforms. And uh, I mean, if you guys are getting anything from the show, it's making you laugh. If it's teaching you something, make sure to, you know, share it with your family and your friends and, and let them know, uh, you know, that they can tune in and and they can do the same for them as it's doing for you. So with that being said, remember, the price doesn't go to the fastest guy. The price goes to the guy who slows down the least. Keep your back against the wall. Stay driven. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.